We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast, your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama, what a play! Hi, everyone, and welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Women's Wednesday, Meg McDonald here with a very special guest, on this week's podcast. Maggie Nichols will go in depth about the documentary Athlete A that came out exactly a week ago today. So last Wednesday, this documentary was released on Netflix. And last time I checked, it was ranked number three in the United States. It's a tough watch, but it is a very important watch. I truly think every coach and support staff member of all types of athletics needs to be educated and watch this on top of parents of kids who are in sport or clubs for that matter. So before Maggie and I dive into the making of the film, why she decided to come out and say he didn't do this to Athlete A, he did this to Maggie Nichols, what that day was like, and so much more, now is the time to pause this podcast and watch Athlete A. Geez, if you don't have Netflix get it. What else have you been doing for the past three to four months? Okay, right now, go ahead, pause this podcast, go watch Athlete A, and Maggie and I will just, we'll just wait here for you to come back. So here is my long pause for you to go watch Athlete A. Okay, so welcome back. I hope you are absolutely disgusted and infuriated with what you just saw. Now, in full disclosure, I'm happy that Maggie had what was an amazing collegiate career at Oklahoma. I've had the chance to get to know her and see her grow up from up close the past four years at Oklahoma. We basically arrived to Norman the same week, I think. Of course, her for school, me for a job, but for an entire organization full of adults in charge at USAG 
to completely fail her and so many others is blasphemy. The documentary came out saying there were over 500 survivors, nine being Olympians. Disgusting. It's just disgusting. So USAG tried to cover up two decades of sexual abuse after numerous survivors reported this man's actions. So I'm rambling now a bit, so let's dive into the interview with Maggie Nichols, world champion, national champion, all-American, Heisman Trophy winner of women's NCAA gymnastics, and of course, athlete A. Now, right after I read these ads, the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Academy Sports and Outdoors is the preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics. Metroplex Electric We can be your electrician. Oklahoma Blood Institute. Blood can't wait. Go to an Oklahoma Blood Institute donor center today to save a life. Interested in taking your passion for OU athletics to a new level? Experience the best game day experiences while supporting scholarships for nearly 600 student-athletes by joining the Sooner Club today. Customizable options are available by calling 405-325-8000. All right, here is Maggie Nichols. All right, super, super excited to welcome Maggie Nichols back to the Sooner Sports Podcast. I think you're the first recurring guest this season, from what I believe. So since we (laughs) relaunched this podcast in March, this will be your second time on the podcast. But I do want to get into the documentary that just came out. As we tape this interview, it is Thursday, and the documentary came out 24 hours ago, so Wednesday. What was your initial reaction to seeing Athlete A? Yeah, so I actually saw the documentary. um, I think it was around Christmas time, so it was kind of... Um, I didn't really remember a lot of the details and things like that when it came out yesterday. Um, I did watch it yesterday morning. Um, so, I mean, it did bring back a lot of um, emotions and different memories and things like that. But, you know, I'm, I was really excited and really nervous for it to come out. Um, it is extremely powerful and educational as well. So I just really hope it, you know, touches the hearts of many people and or helps people who may have gone through maybe the same thing. And things like that. So, um, you know, yesterday was kind of full of different emotions, um, but I'm, I'm really excited that it finally came out. When did you initially tape those interviews? Yeah, so we've been working on it for a few years now. So I've had multiple different interviews and shoots and things like that and video crews coming to practice and or competitions and things like that. So it has been um, a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, I think a lot of people that I'm really close with didn't even know that we were filming it. Um, I think they just thought it was different film, like filming crews and things like that. So um, I am happy that that part of it is done because um, it was a lot of extra, you know, time and um, bringing back old memories and things like that. Like the interviews were really hard and things like that, but really excited about how it turned out and things like that. Why did you decide that this documentary was ultimately the right choice for you to do? Um, I think I kind of knew right away. I mean, I knew that it was going to be difficult um, with all the interviews and films and things like that. Um, But I knew that, you know, if this documentary could, you know, impact, you know, just one person's life or educate someone who needs to hear it or save someone, you know, um, it would be all worth it and things like that. So I think that was ultimately the main um, factor that made me decide. How did the filmmakers and Netflix approach you? Um, I'm pretty sure they approached like my family or my parents and then my parents approached me 
Um, not exactly sure how that all went down. You know, I was watching athlete day yesterday, just mm -hmm. at my house and I tweeted out, I was like, I'm fuming. Like if you watch this and you're not absolutely pissed off, mm -hmm. like, obviously I'm happy that, you know, you crushed it as a gymnast and as a person, and I've got to know you over the years, but like, I was mad watching. Mm -hmm how would you describe the USA gymnastics culture as an elite gymnast? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the film um, explains it incredibly well. Um, I mean, you know, going to the ranch for an example was just always super nerve wracking. I was always super, you know, I would say scared to go, um, you know, cause you're always being, you know, ranked and judged and, you know, your conditioning has to be a peak and, um, you know, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way, you have to do the gymnastics a certain way and things like that. So you always felt like you were kind of under a microscope all the time. And, you know, people weren't the nicest there and strict and, you know, the food wasn't amazing. Like, it, you know, it just, there was a lot of things about the culture that were scary for, you know, young athletes who are striving to become um, Olympians or world medalists and things like that. So, um, I guess I would definitely say the culture was, um, scary. What was the food like? Like, was it just absolutely garbage? <laughs> the food was not great. I mean, I feel like most people would think that what, you know, um, national team members are eating is like top peak, like chicken and salmon and rice and things like that. But that was just not the case. Um, you know, not like the healthiest things I would say. I mean, there was like chicken and things, but it just wasn't what athletes should be eating, I would say. So what was going on in your head when the Indy Star, the newspaper, started reporting about the team doctor and the sexual abuse of the young gymnast? I don't even want to mention his name because I cannot. Like, he, he doesn't deserve a breath. You know what I mean? But like, what was going on in your head when this newspaper started reporting that mm -hmm. there are allegations, the sexual abuse of young gymnasts, this mm -hmm is something we need to be looking into. Yeah, no, I was just, I think I was like in shock when I, it all came out because, you know, I knew that I reported and they like all of that stuff, but my parents were kind of handling all this stuff behind the scenes because, you know, I was still in classes competing and training and they didn't want me to be affected by anything and things like that. But I knew somewhat to the extent, but when the article came out and I just saw just about how many people were affected and what was happened and who was hiding it and, things like that. I think I was just in complete shock. And I think I didn't sleep for a few days. And, you know, my coaches here knew um, that I was like struggling with it. Um, and like having a hard time, um, you know, just going to bed at night and things like that. It was just like so much stuff was going on in my head, I would say it was just, it was, it's really upsetting just knowing that, you know, things could have been changed so much faster if someone would have reported it immediately, you know, it just, it's, it's, I don't even have words to describe how terrible it is and how many people would have not been affected by it if people would have done the right thing. At the time that you did report it, you know, you were athlete A, did you realize the impact that you ultimately were going to have on so many different people? I believe it, they counted over 500 mm -hmm. girls were molested by this team doctor nine yeah, yeah. were olympians at the at that time did you realize that you were changing the culture of usa gymnastics and so many 
other people's lives. Yeah, I mean, coming out publicly was, that was kind of the reason I decided to come out publicly was if I could, you know, help other people or inspire other people to come out publicly too. But I really had no idea the extent, um, you know, that's so many people, if you think about it, 500 people, like if you really just line up 500 people, that's an extreme amount of people and people who are affected by this one person, it's just, um, it's baffling and it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking. Um, but I did not know the extent, um, of people who were affected like I was. And, um, you know, that was just the ultimate goal is to, you know, help other people and, and things like that. So you asked Ali Raisman, does he do this to you regarding inappropriate touching while you were getting back treatments? Obviously this was not on your back, the treatments, mm-hmm. your mom or your club coach overhears you talking to Ali. She calls Rhonda Fain and Steve Penny, I believe. Were you scared at any time that this reporting might affect your spot on the national team? It shouldn't, obviously, this is crazy, but did it ever register to you that like, this might be a problem? Which is, I mean, it baffles me. Like it baffles my mind, right? Well, for me, I was kind of young, I mean, in 2015. And, you know, when I did tell Sarah, I I guess I didn't really know exactly what she was going to do and things like that. But she did tell my parents she was going to call Rhonda and, you know, Rhonda was going to call Steve and things like that. But I, at the time, not like I was naive or anything, I didn't think it was going to affect my chances of making any team or making any lineup spot or anything like that. I mean, there's no reason why it should. Um, That's something that should be taken care of and reported and he should be gone in seconds. So, I mean, I, I personally didn't think it would affect um, my chances in any way. And thinking that there even is a chance that I didn't make the team because of that is just, I can't even think about it. <laughs> well, you reported in June of 2015, mm-hmm. according to your mom in the documentary. And mm-hmm. 2015 was a huge year for you. you mm-hmm. Like the year before the Olympics, you were literally in NBC Olympics promos. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, you were to me like a shoe in like you were a lock. How confident were you? And I want to say before this knee injury too, that you had a chance to be on Team USA to represent the United States of America in Rio. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty confident. I mean, even Marta like said things to me too. Like if you stay like this, you know, you have a great chance and all this stuff and, you know, all the re- um, announcers and things like that would always say that too. And, you know, I was always kind of two, three, four, like, you know, top person even whether it was you know championships and or um at camp you know they ranked us there too so you know I feel like I kind of had a great chance and you know I'm always or I always was working to even get better and things like that and because you know I the Olympics is something that everyone strives for so everyone's going to be working super hard for so um I was always still you know trying to get better and trying to you know continue to be um kind of at the top but you know after that knee injury that was something that was really um, disappointing and hard to come back from, but I did, I feel like I did come back pretty strong. And I think I got six at Olympic trials in the all around, and then they took five and then three alternates. And so I wasn't even one of the alternates, which is kind of a little bit kind of odd because if someone gets six in the all around and then they take eight people, I don't know. It just, the whole thing is weird and it doesn't really mix, but you know, I just try to not really think about it and, I just know personally that, you know, I gave it everything I had and um, I left everything that I had on the floor. So, I mean, that's kind of what eases my mind. 
in the documentary, the parents of the athletes that were more than likely going to make Team USA had seats marked, you know, they had camera crews, they were mic'd up. Mm -hmm. Your parents mentioned that they didn't have any of that, which mm -hmm. obviously feels fishy before Olympic trials even begin, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Were you aware of that at the time of mm -hmm. the competition? No, I, I had no idea. And I don't think my parents really wanted to like tell me that either. And I'm kind of glad they didn't. But um, yeah. also, if you watch my second day floor routine at Olympic trials, um, so you know, the national staff kind of sits in like a row. If you watch kind of closely, um, none of them are watching me. And so it's kind of just, if you kind of put all the little pieces together, you can kind of just like see the kind of fishy things that are happening. And that was kind of one of my best floor routines. So you may all take it, but um, it just, it's just weird if you really do look at it. Did something seem completely off to you? Did it seem like something's going on that's more than what my gymnastics is at this competition? Did it, did it feel off to you at all? Or were you just kind of locked in like, this is a huge meet, obviously. It determines my spot. Yeah, um, I would say a little bit of both. I mean, I was so motivated. I mean, so thankful to even be at Olympic trials. I mean, that's such an honor in itself. Um, but I, you know, I was also, I felt like it wasn't the same as the other competitions. Usually Marta comes up to us all the time, like during practice and stuff and talks to us. And I didn't really talk to her all that much. She didn't really come up to me or anything or watch me all too much. But um, I mean, I just kind of look back and you know, I, I just know myself and know that I just gave it everything I had at Olympic trials. I was so impressed. I think your dad said it, that during, you know, everyone was deciding, the committee was deciding who was going to be on the team. They take eight athletes. Mm -hmm. You're sixth in the all around. And you still have a few months mm -hmm. before the Olympics to like truly, truly recover. Like I know they talked about your your Chenko double instead of the Aminar, you know, but like you had months and like the double yeah. looked amazing. So I just was really impressed that your dad was like, Maggie congratulated every single one of them, showed tremendous grace. Like I can't imagine how difficult that was, especially when like numbers speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you were sixth in the all around, like gymnastics, yes, it's subjective. The sport is subjective, but like you finish in an order. Yeah. To me, you should obviously should have been on the team. But. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was that moment. I mean, when we were sitting in the room and they announced all the names, I think I kind of was like in shock again. Um, I was just kind of like, what's happening? And I, I was upset. You know, I was excited for the other girls and things like that. And then when they all came down from the floor, I mean, we all like congratulated them and things. And then we like took a bus back to the hotel. And I was kind of just like, what is kind of happening? Like, is this like a dream? But you know, you kind of have to move on and, you know, look into the future. And I was thankful that I could look into going to OU. So that's something that so helped you, me. So you do go to Oklahoma, you retire from elite gymnastics. Obviously you are one of the most successful to me, not just gymnasts, but NCAA athletes. Like I see on Twitter all the time, Maggie Nichols needs a Heisman trophy statue, like all these things on campus, which I think is really, really cool. But what was the day like when you decided to come out as Athlete A? You put out a statement, and I think this statement is so powerful, mm -hmm. when it read, he did not do this to Athlete A, he did it to Maggie Nichols. What mm -hmm. was that day like? Um, you know, another nerve-wracking day. Um, you know, I knew that the statement was going to be put out in the morning. Um, 
of the day I decided to come out. But, um, you know, it kind of took me a while to decide whether or not if I wanted to come out publicly or not. And I kind of came to the realization that that would be the right thing for me to do. Um, just because, you know, I saw other girls coming out publicly and it inspired me to come out publicly. And, you know, a lot of them said that it helped them with like healing and things like that. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to use my voice and my platform and to reach as many, you know, young athletes and, or maybe people who have gone through the same thing and to help them in any way that I can, whether it's they reach out to me or just knowing that I came out publicly, you know, can inspire them to, you know, say something. Um, so that was kind of the reason I decided to come out publicly. And I'm really happy that I did because I've gotten a lot of positive feedback and people who have reached out to me for help and things like that, which is just incredible and um, makes everything that, like the interviews and things makes all of that worth it. So that day, that week, that month, even just leading up to the day that you announced your athlete day to after you announced that you were athlete day, how did KJ Kindler and your teammates show support for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I told my teammates, um, I think the day before I came out publicly, just because I wanted them to know first and then, um, they, you know, they can handle it from there. But, um, I mean, my teammates and KJ and Tom and Lou, you know, supported me every single step of the way. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So just having my teammates and all of them to lean back on was just incredible. And, um, you know, KJ helped me a ton with, um, a lot of like the deciding whether I wanted to come out publicly and stuff. She supported me either way that I wanted to go. And so that was, I'm really thankful for that as well. Could you sense that it was tough on KJ at all? Like seeing I, you go through this, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I, I don't know. KJ is just the, one of the strongest people I know. And she, she'd always just supported me. And I mean, I'm sure she was sad and upset about what I had to go through and mad. And I mean, she said that before, but she just was so strong every time she was around me. And, um, you know, always gave me that comfort of knowing that no matter what I do, she's there and she supports me. Did you watch the other women testify at all? Yeah, I watched, um, I think almost every single person, um, you know, they are so strong for being able to go up there and read their statement or read whatever they wrote. Um, incredibly courageous and inspiring to even watch. And then my mom read my statement, which I was really thankful for because I wasn't able to go because I was still in class and competing and things like that. But um, yeah, no, that was a really powerful um, day for all of them. When I watched your mom read that statement, like I wanted to cry because I think your mom, I mean, as a parent, I can't imagine how difficult it was for your mom and your dad to mm -hmm. go through this and know that their daughter wasn't safe when they had the, the utmost trust in these adults who absolutely failed mm -hmm. all of these girls and all of these women. What was it like to watch your mom read this statement? Yeah, I mean, it was super empowering to watch her. I mean, she's very strong and um, really uses her voice. But I know the pain that my parents both went through. I mean, my dad has told me, my mom's told me, um, just because, you know, they didn't even know he was, like, at the camps and things like that. So, uh, you know, that's really disappointing. And they are really upset and sad that, you know, USA Gymnastics puts the top athletes at risk and is not in a safe environment and things like that. You know, my parents... I mean, I just, I don't even know how they feel and things, but they're just always so strong when they're around me.
So in 2016, you retired from elite and then less than a year later, you win a national championship with the Sooners. Can you put into words that moment after you vault last, you're the last one to go, everyone's watching you, what the difference of, gosh, eight months, nine months, your life was in that moment? My life, you know, turned around completely. Um, you know, running back after that vault, you know, I've won a world championship, um, but running back from that vault and knowing that we won the national championship, I, I've said it again and again, but I've never felt a feeling like that before in my entire life. Winning a national championship with a team that you have gone through a preseason season, you know, the 6 a.m. workouts, every single thing, every single competition, every single injury, every single thing together um, with so much support every single step of the way and coming together on that one night and coming on, coming out on top was just the best feeling in the entire world. And I was at that moment, I think everything was kind of in slow motion and um, I was just, you know, took a step back and I was so thankful that I decided to come to OU and um, you know, this was my family and I'm still, I still can remember that day so well. It was just, you know, the best feeling in, in the entire world. And, um, you know, coming from not making the Olympic team to, you know, winning a national championship, I don't think I could have went a better way. I truly feel that, like, even though you didn't compete at the Olympics, you probably have a bigger impact mm -hmm. on the sport than any gold medal could ever do. And you will go down as one of the best collegiate athletes of all time, you know, in the NCAA, but both on the floor and off the floor. So after having time to reflect on your college gymnastics career, what part did Oklahoma and NCAA gymnastics ultimately play in your life? I mean, they played such a huge part in my life. Um, <laughs> they played such a huge part in my life. I mean, coming to OU and being part of a team, I guess I would say. I mean, I really fell in love with the sport of gymnastics. You know, I kind of realized that, you know, every gymnast is different. Every gymnast's body is different. Everyone competes different. And, you know, that was, that was okay here. And so I just feel like I had so much more joy when I was competing, so much more joy when I was practicing and so much more like motivation to, you know, get better and personally in my style of gymnastics. So I just feel like coming to OU and um, being part of such an amazing um, university really like turned my, turned my whole look on gymnastics, but also made me a happier person and made me a more motivated person, I guess I would say. I just, I just feel like this place is just a big family and everyone supports one another. So it's been amazing. As we tape this interview, it's been about 24 hours since Athlete Day has been released on Netflix. What kind of support have you seen from your friends, your family, social media, everything? Yeah, I mean, it's been um, crazy. I mean, my phone's kind of been blowing up, whether it's texts, I've had a few calls, and then social media has been crazy. Um, you know, Instagram and Twitter, just like so many people reaching out, whether it's DMs or posting me on their stories or tweeting um, out and stuff. But it's been, it's been incredible. And um, I don't know, it's, it was a lot more than I was expecting. I really wasn't expecting that many people to reach out and things like that. But um, I just hope that this documentary, you know, educated a lot of people and touched a lot of people's hearts. And I think that it did by the feedback that I've gotten. Well, Maggie, 
that's all the time we have today. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. I think it's so important. It's hard to watch mm -hmm. the documentary. I can't even imagine what it's like for you to have to relive everything, but a true inspiration. Your bravery does not go unnoticed. I'm terribly sorry that these adults at USAG completely failed you and over 500 survivors, but truly the bravery you showed saved so many younger girls, the younger generation safer in the entire sport of gymnastics. And for that, like, I cannot thank you enough. You have changed the world, ultimately. Thank you. That really means the absolute world to me. Thank you. Even in these uncertain times, your Oklahoma Chick-fil-A restaurants are here to serve you. Dining rooms are closed, but where possible, you can still order from the drive-thru, the Chick-fil-A app, or from DoorDash. OU Extended Campus degrees online, on-site, on your schedule become the tradition. At Mercy, your life is our life's work. I can't thank Maggie enough for coming on the podcast this week. Her bravery truly has changed the sport, but I believe there's still so much more to do. This is just the start. It's time USAG is really held accountable. There are still coaches on the floor that are at the very least emotionally abusive. And I'm not saying that coaches can't be strict and keep a tight ship. I'm talking abusing little kids to the sense where they're forced to do something in the gym and they don't have a choice. I've been talking to a lot of people in the last week or so, and I've gotten a lot of questions personally from former teammates of mine, and we were all sharing these hurtful experiences to even coworkers at OU who have asked me about the culture of gymnastics, to the story telling of the film, to even the way the film is shot. So as a former gymnast, I'm going to share some of my personal thoughts on Athlete A, just because I have been getting a lot of questions and the conversation really has started from the release of this film. So I was a level 10 in club at a pretty young age, went up the levels pretty quick, and then I was a collegiate gymnast on a full scholarship. In talking to some of my former teammates, I don't think I know one former gymnast who competed at a decently high level that wasn't at the very least emotionally abused growing up in the sport at some capacity. And that's a pretty crazy thing to say. That just simply was the culture. We were pushed to absolute breaking points as kids. Now, I will say there are still some amazing coaches that are safe and supportive and incredible. And I've had some great coaches myself who I look to as second parents to me, but there are still a lot of bad ones out there as well. It's in my opinion that NCAA gymnastics is the light of the sport. If you are good enough to compete in college, that's where gymnastics finally gets fun and it feels less like a job. You get to compete for a team and you have 15 teammates from all around the world that you train with and compete with side by side. That's pretty unique to what club gymnastics is. I would say outside of the known gyms in the country, the gyms that always have Olympians, you aren't really training with 15 girls who are at your level every day. And by that, I mean, if you're a level 10 or higher, probably even level nine, honestly, but mainly the elite scene, it can be pretty lonely at the top. And that's where college gymnastics is very different. As for the storytelling of the documentary, the directors and the producers absolutely had to do it right. And I really think they knocked it out of the park. I thought the way they explained the culture of the sport in terms of eating disorders was interesting. They basically explained why this team doctor was able to get away with sexually abusing kids for so long was because he was the only one who was nice to these kids. 
Now, in terms of production, I'm not sure if people know how hard it is to get some of that footage from NBC or USAG. Now, at this point, I don't think either could say no to the request, but still, well done to the filmmakers for making that happen. I loved, loved, loved the slow-mo shots of Maggie in the gym. My favorite coming from what I believe is her just jumping on the trampoline and doing a single back tuck. I know for Sooner Vision and Sooner Sports TV, the company I work for, we get a lot of slow-mo shots because gymnastics look so freaking awesome in slow motion. But more often than not, we get the athletes doing their competition routines. So they're throwing their hardest skills. And what I loved about the shots of Maggie doing something so simple in slow-mo was that you could really see her face and it looked like she was just floating. It looked majestic to me. And I thought that was a really, really original way in terms of the shot. Okay, last thought for me here, which I doubt any of you have made it this far, but I'll leave you with one last question. How come USAG has never commended all of these girls and athletes for speaking out against the abuse? USA Gymnastics needs to create a safer space where athletes are encouraged to say something and then be able to trust an adult to do the right thing. Now, I've seen articles, magazines, plenty of media, even ESPN awarded the survivors the Arthur Ashe Courage Award for their bravery. Why isn't that happening in the sport itself? It's time for them to be held accountable and responsible for true change. Okay, last thing, here's what's on tap, presented by OG&E. OG&E is power at the speed of life. Thursday night, download a Sooner Classic as Rivalry Month kicks off with OU versus Texas from 2001, featuring one of the greatest moments in Sooner history. Then Saturday, it's the 2017 Bedlam game. You are not going to want to miss that. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I will see you next Wednesday on the Sooner Sports Podcast.